Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winsor Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. How's everything? It's going pretty good. And for tonight, we have a lot of topics to get into, as usual. And we're going to get into um, a few NFL and college uh, topics, um, also a couple of, uh, of basketball and boxing topics, uh, some album reviews, as usual. And in the second half, we're going to do a review of Batman Begins. But to start off with with Baltimore and, you know, today they have a, you know, a, a, a dramatic um, two point win against Detroit. Justin Tucker sets our NFL record with 66, uh, 66 yard field goal. And, you know, they are also coming off of that that win last Sunday night, uh, a very important win against Kansas City. And, um, you know, they, they win that one by one. And it's the first time in Lamar Jackson's career that he's able to beat KC and rush for 107 yards and score twice. But in terms of the start they're getting off to, they have two dramatic wins in back-to-back weeks. Obviously, Kansas City, that's a much more superior team. But what are your thoughts on just the, the wins that they've accumulated so far and also the growth of Lamar Jackson in this in this season so far? You know, uh, they have a, a close game against, the, I believe it was the Raiders, and then they bounce back to some, some more close games. I'm just looking mm-hmm. at the resiliency of the Baltimore Ravens you don't have Peters, who's your best defender on, on defense, right. your best cornerback. J.K. Dobbins is out for the season, one of your best running backs who had a good rookie season last year. So there's a lot of things you can look at and say, you know what? We 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 might be on the decline because most of our you know good players are down. But no, Lamar Jackson is still Lamar Jackson. I, I love the 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 confidence Jim Jim has. Um in Lamar Jackson's abilities, he's behind him 100%. And that offense looks so good. Defense looked better. Front seven looked better. They, they're going down to these close games, but they know how to win. It's all. It's not about how you start. It's how you finish. These guys know how to win. They have a knack of winning. You beat the two years ago Super Bowl champ who went to the Super Bowl last year and got, you know, we already know the story with them and the Buccaneers. <laughs> but you beat them. And they're one and two last year. Yeah, that's another thing I want to get to. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, like, like that's an, another thing. But before we get to Kansas City, is the fact that they're able to beat a team that Lamar Jackson never beat in, in his entire career. Like, how important do you think of of a just um a, a type of achievement that was early in the season? Because obviously, like, it wasn't it wasn't the AFC Championship or, or the Super Bowl, but it was just it was still the type of game where he needed to know that he could beat that team because that's a team you could see um deep into the postseason. And I think it's I don't think it just means a lot to Lamar Jackson. I think for organization. Just showing yeah. the progression that you have. And it's not, I don't think it's a decline for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think uh, the Baltimore Ravens have put pieces together to make sure they can contend with uh, a Buccaneers team or the Kansas City Chiefs or any other team in the league. And I, I watched the uh, behind the scenes or the mic'd up for Sammy Watkins. He said, hey, yo, we're going to win this. It's going to be close, but we're we yeah. going to win. And as soon as they, you know, <laughs> gave to the last uh, seconds down, he ran on the field. What I told you, what I told you. So it's just everybody <laughs> felt it that they're, they they can beat anybody. It's going to be a close game, but how do we find a way to win? And they, they're doing it for the past two seasons. Tucker yeah. with the 66-yard field goal, Goodness. man, breaks Tucker's the record. Tucker's goaded. Tucker's goaded. Uh, Jen, Jenikowski was, had the record. I think it was like 65, I believe. Breaks the record, man. I think it means a lot for everybody. I think they understand what type of team they are with players out. Just imagine if they had Peters, if they had J.K. Dobbins, and then these other guys who are, you know, 
injured it out. But I think it was a more more so everybody's decided that they finally beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and I mean, we, we look at, at the Chiefs getting off to, you know, a one and two start, which is, you know, just just very rare for them to do and um, be in this type of situation so early. It, it, obviously, like there's still a lot of football left to be played. But in terms of what you've seen, like they, they, they have a loss to the Chargers today and then they have the loss to, to Baltimore last week. What in particular are, are you seeing with them or the concerns you're having with them so far as they're in a, in, a, in a type of position that we're not really used to seeing them in? Their secondary is declining. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I, I, I think it goes with the pass rush, too. You see one of their best deep defensive ends in Jones, just a normal guy, but he yeah. can get to the quarterback. There's no pressure at the quarterback. The, the secondary is everywhere. I think people are starting to figure out how to defend Tyreek Hill, how to defend any Andy's Dalton's offense now. I think we've seen that for the past five years or four years, even before Patrick Mahomes got there, we've seen this offense do crazy great things. They know how to get people into spaces. They know how to get their team, the, the, the guys, the go-to guys open. Now people have had time to like, you know what, we've seen this. They're not yeah. doing anything new under the sun. They're just switching up routes, doing things a little bit different, but we can figure this out. So I think people are starting to figure out the Kansas City Chiefs. Now you, the Kansas City Chiefs have to figure out what do we do next. What made us so prolific, we, we brought in the rise. They kind of have to go back to the drawing board. Exactly. And they, yeah. they kind of brought in the rise of the playbook. Now what, what's next, Andy? So I think people are starting to get in tune with uh, what the Kansas City Chiefs done because they still have the same – Weapons. They still have they have good weapons that are wide receiver, tight end, for good running backs. The secondary is still kind of the mm, it's not the same, but they still have the weapons on offense. So they, I think people are getting accustomed to what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before we get to Green Bay and in San Francisco, the the premier matchup of today was the Rams and, and the Buccaneers, and the Rams were able to have a, a, a ten point win. And it was the type of performance where obviously you see what the, the, this this Rams offense can do against mm-hmm. a team like uh, Tampa Bay. And there were just, it, 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 Tampa Bay like experienced a lot of, um, a lot of type of adversity. Stafford has 343 yards and uh, four touchdowns um, in a, in a loss like this, where um, the Buccaneers, you know, weren't as sharp as, as they usually are. And this is also, this was a litmus test type of game for the Rams going to going up against the defending champs at home and having a big time win. What did this, did, did this type of result say more about, what the Rams were able to do, or maybe uh, a little bit about what Tampa Bay um, couldn't pull off? I think it's a couple of things. I think injuries in the secondary. Now they got to sh- shop around and find some guys to replace these guys who got injured today. I think it was like two DBs got injured. And I heard talks about them trying to go get Richard Sherman or trying to get some guy, a veteran guy, to come in who can get acclimated to the system really fast. And then you see Cup just beautiful, like really just vandalize the entire yeah. secondary. Two touchdowns back to back in the in the first and second quarter, and you, you would think that the the Rams have the momentum. They're going in. They're going to continue this. But the Buccaneers. This is why it's so vital for teams to buy in and have that chemistry. These guys, the, if any secondary gave up two touchdowns or three touchdowns that fast, they're going to get down on each other. It's going to be bickering. It's going to do different things. But Bruce Aarons is such a great head coach, man. I always say Bruce Aarons is one of the great, good, good head coaches in this in this in this millennium. 
He can bring his guys. He can make his guys buy into the situation. You see Mike Evans taking pay cuts to get people there and to pay other people. So you know they have some type of chemistry there. So Buccaneers, what (laughs) – I thought you guys were going to lose. I cut it off at half. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. And then I look back, they they beat them by 10 points, and I'm like, what? I thought Cup was going to have a crazy, even crazy game, like five touchdowns, 200-some yards. He has a wheel route. Deshaun Jackson had a phenomenal game. He he had three receptions, 120 yards. Yes, he did. So, I I, I mean, Buccaneers, crazy win. Because Rams look good early on. Rams look good. Matt Stafford look like he's played in that system since (laughs) since he came out of Georgia. But we ought to know he went to the Lions and kind of whatever. The rest was history. (laughs) Yeah, the rest was history. Um, but, but, but getting to Green Bay and San Francisco, and they're currently playing Green Bay, is, is up by 10 in the, in, uh, in the second. But you look at both of these teams so far with, you know, I mean, Aaron Jones last week has three touchdown catches, um, a TD run on Monday night versus Detroit. Um, and you look at the, the, just the pivotal matchup of Nick Bosa versus the, the Green Bay tackles, um, and that's really going to decide how this game plays out. What are your early thoughts on these two teams and just how they're looking so far? Because both teams, you know, have the potential to be, um, of that elite class of the NFC? You know, I'll start with San Francisco. It, it, it's going to take the quarterback position for San Francisco to be prolific. And, we, mm-hmm. and we, we've seen this. The running game will get them there. They have <laughs> numerous uh, running backs who run four threes, four fours, really fast, one-cut offense. I mean, Shanahan's been running the system since forever, since Broncos, since Redskins, since Atlanta Falcons. So they have the system down pack. You don't need the greatest running back to run the system, but you do need a, do need a quarterback who's going to finish it for you. And we've seen uh, when they went to the Super Bowl, he <laughs> <laughs> did not finish. They, that's what that's going to be the difference maker for them. I think their defense is always going to be stout. They're always going to have a great front seven. They're always going to have good pass rushers. And they're always going to have, man, I, I'm, I love George Kittle. I think Absolutely. he's going to be Phenomenal. the best tight end ever step forward. Whoa. Superlative. Superlative. Yes. And I say this because Sound the alarm. <laughs> he's a willing blocker. Not just yeah. willing blocker. He's a phenomenal blocker. He mm-hmm. pancakes linebackers, DBs, defensive end. It doesn't matter. And he can catch the ball. He can have separation. Like he's done so many things the Titans have done before on steroids, though. So I think if he get, if he stays healthy, he's been injured a couple of times. But if he stays healthy, I think he can be the best tight end ever. Still, and and that's, that's saying praise. something. That's, that's high praise. praise. Jordan, <laughs> I, I'm like he came out of nowhere too. But let me get to the Packers. Everybody thought the first game getting blown out by the Saints, thirty three. Okay, what's going to be something? And, 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 and I'm I'm a fan, so I'm like, okay, what's going on? That, that gets I, that gets your attention, but that's not like the the, the, the no. nail in the coffin. It's the first game of the season. We have guys banged up. We have so much news over us, so many distractions mm-hmm. over, over the, the organization right now. So much, you know, and when you try to take that in the first game, it's, it, it's not always going to pan out. I mean, right. it's another team who got blown out by, blown out by the Buck. I mean, blown out by the Saints. Who were the Buccaneers who won the Super Bowl? You know, I'm just going to throw that out there. But I now can, you see I mean, the difference. They only had three points, too, and they went on to win the whole thing. Might no, be a sign. Okay. Might be a sign. <laughs> I, hey, look, I'll take it. We did one. It was 
been about 10 years since we went to, I mean, <laughs> went to the Super Bowl. We always got close. Yeah. But I think I we have a, we banged up Zadarius is is out. I'm still kind of up in the air about that, but we don't we don't have much pressure at the D line. But I think we have so many good weapons and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. We have Aaron Rodgers. So I think he's that's still, why he's still the same guy. Still the same yeah. guy. And you you seeing that. You saw that with the Detroit Lions. You saw what we could do on the offense by mixing it up and getting people into spaces. Aaron Jones, we, we he scored like Yeah, like we're good. Like I but I think mm-hmm. if we keep continuing to go down the go down this road, I think we'll I think we'll be back into the playoffs. But I, I have no red flags. But San Francisco's quarterback play is gonna be the difference maker for them because we've all seen Jimmy get to the big dance and forget how to dance. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? How do I move? <laughs> right. Do I two-step? Do I do the, the, the what is it, the sprinkler? <laughs> Shanahan, show me my moves. <laughs> right. I forgot how to dance, man. Put that on a, put that on a shirt. Get to the dance for get out of dance. Yes, there we get- go. <laughs> Uh, but transitioning now to college football and dealing with, you know, a, a shocker, Clemson's upset loss to NC State. And in this, NC State was able to pull off a six-point win in double overtime. They had they had lost eight straight in 15 of 16 meetings to Clemson. Um, Devin Leary threw for four touchdowns and included the winning 22-yard uh, yard pass to Devin Carter. And um, for Clemson, they now have a second loss, which really makes it unlikely to get back and extend their streak of, you know, making it making every year the playoff since the first edition back in 2014. but what are your thoughts on this major upset and, you know, the drastically different type of season Clemson is, is having so far? The curse is broken. Mm. The curse is broken for NC State. That's that's the biggest headline. They've been losing. That's the headline. They've been losing at Clemson since I was a baby. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the curse is – the defense, not even giving on, getting on DJ. DJ threw two touchdowns. DJ, I mean, the fourth down completion, the forcing him to do the fourth down completion, he completed, okay. Okay, that's that's against DJ. But that defense looked like they weren't D1. They like it was D3 at best. I don't want to say high school because that's very derogatory. Oof, oof. They look bad. Double OT. They look bad, Willington. Yeah. Four touchdowns? Goodness. I don't think they're, they're. I don't think they're ranked in the in the top fifty. In, no, in they weren't even ranked. That's crazy. And <laughs> and I keep seeing this clip <laughs> when they're on the plane, the jet. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Dabo said, "Hey, that's where you're gonna be throwing touchdowns at." He's threw three touchdowns and probably like three, four. Like, bro, like he's having. <laughs> he hasn't been that oh great. I mean, offense hasn't looked that great either. But it they hasn't, just yeah. don't look like Clemson football. Like they that's used to one, that's the main thing. Yeah, that's my main thing. They, it just it does not look like like the same Clemson team that was you know at the top of the college football you know um, just pyramid for the last several years. They don't have a running game, which is the mm-hmm. biggest thing for them. They don't have an Indian. They don't have they don't have that type of running back caliber anymore. They don't have a Trevor Lawrence. They don't have a Kelly Bryant. Say what you want by Kelly Bryant. They don't have a Deshaun Watson. DJ was supposed to be the guy. I'm not going to even say his last name because I was was messing around with my friends. I was like, who's that quarterback? (laughs) DJ, you ugly? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> DJ, you ugly. You yeah. ukulele. Um, <laughs> DJ, DJ. Just call him DJ. I'm not going to pronounce. See, I can do Giannis Antetokounmpo. I can do that. You know, I can yeah. do certain names, but that one right there, I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to leave it to the side. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going to leave it there. I'll, I'll leave it for my counterpart. But no. He was supposed to be the guy. They broke yeah. him in. He's the offense doesn't look good. You don't have a running game. You don't have a pass rush. You don't have good like brand brand name DBs anymore. Like, what happened to Clemson football? That's the question. You don't. They don't look like the old Clemson football at all. Mm. It's, it's, they're they're really a shell of themselves. And getting to uh, Oklahoma's close win versus West Virginia, and just thoughts on their last two games. You know, going down to the wire. Um, you know, they're able to win a low scoring 16-13 game and Spencer Rattler um, threw for 256 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Mike Woods caught eight passes for 86 yards for OU and, and they now win their third game by seven or fewer points this season. And this is another team that, you know, we're used to seeing Oklahoma have high scoring type of games, um, not really be in tight contests until late in the season um, for maybe like one loss. But what are your thoughts on Oklahoma finding a way to pull this out and them having a pattern now for being in really tight games? I see why this was a night game. And I, I want to apologize to West Virginia. I was like, why? Remember I said there's no exciting yes. games? Yeah, no exciting week? games. <laughs> this is a boring week. I am crazy for that. <laughs> I will. <laughs> you come back a couple of days after, like, what was that take? What was I thinking? <laughs> uh, I literally said this. But I don't I don't understand. I'm, I'm still baffled at it. 16-13. I'm so used to Oklahoma not having a defense. I'm so used to Oklahoma being this high-power offense, right? They just looked like West Virginia had their ticket that game. It was a, it was a great defensive game, which surprised me for Oklahoma. So it flip-flopped, but West that's, Virginia that's been a story. Numbers. They've even been saying that, like, our defense is a lot better, and we hear that every year, but this is a year where we're actually kind of seeing that. Exactly. Rather, I mean, he passed 256 yards and a touchdown, but you know, it looked like West Virginia's defensive line was not giving up anything no. at all. Like it, it, it impressed me, and they don't have any brand name guys either. You look at you look at from from defense end to safety, there's literally no brand name guys. Offense they do, but no brand name guys on defense. And you got this stud at quarterback at Oklahoma and only beat them by three points. So I I don't know. It's I I don't want to say they haven't played anybody because West Virginia really played them really well. Yeah, but, but we'll see. We'll see down the line. I don't want to say it's you know it's, it's still too do, early. Do you think this is going to be a current uh, like an ongoing trend for Oklahoma where it's more so? Because I mean, at, at some point you have to think the offense is going to start clicking. But do you think it's, this is going to be a current trend where the defense wins these games more than the offense actually does? Ooh, that would be different for them. Because it's always – they average like 30 points each season, 30 to 40 points each season. And defense is just like, I don't know why we're here. but <laughs> Why are we I showing will, up? Right. We're just watching the Kyler like, Murray, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Just everybody. Who's in the stands yeah. with the fans? <laughs> like, we just give it up points here and there. But <laughs> if you <laughs> – Oklahoma has never had a defense. Even never. With, um, this is so weird. With, uh, <laughs> ah, what's his name? Went to the league. Uh, Sam Bradford. They didn't have a yes. defense then. Uh, Bob Soups. <laughs> Bob Soups. 
goodness. That's Throw crazy. Bob. Oh, gosh. They never had a defense, which is so sad. But they always have a good offense. Always, always. have a good offense. But, I mean. This might take them farther, though. It. it might take, because defense, it, 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 it will carry you. I like that headline better than my quarterback throwing 400 passing yards. Because mm-hmm. if the other Definitely. team doesn't score, if we can hold a team at 13 points, it doesn't matter if our offense plays good or bad. If our defense can hold them Spencer Rattler just has to do enough. He just has to do enough. He doesn't have to do way too much, though. But, you know, we, we grow accustomed to the quarterbacks from Oklahoma and Ohio mm-hmm. State, these other yeah. pass-happy um, teams, to be this prolific go-gun-slinger-runner, dual-threat quarterback-type style. But... I, maybe what Oklahoma needs is a time manager and the defense to wake up finally. So if that is the trend, I'm all for it. It's defense wins championships. Yep. So if they can you hold saw it with Tampa Bay in the NFL. Yes. And you yeah. looking at their schedule, I, I think they're not going to have a test. I mean, they play Texas, TCU. Mm-hmm. They might get some of that Iowa State. And... Baylor, Baylor's four zero right now. So we'll see if that, if that, you know, if that's the the. It's, de- it's definitely going to be interesting to see if this trend continues, if this pattern continues, because this could, this actually could be a different these for Oklahoma. I think so. They got K State next week, Texas, and TCU, Kansas. They play Oklahoma State, Iowa State later in the season. So we'll yep. see if that, if that's the trend. Definitely. Um, but now transitioning to the NBA, and you know the major. Uh, just, just leading storyline for this offseason is um, is Ben Simmons and his situation with Philly. And um, he didn't report to training camp. And also, there's the question of what's next for him outside of Philly. Um, this report came out Tuesday morning, and this is just a big development as, as Simmons is under contract for four more seasons and has made it clear that, you know, he never wants to play another game in Philly. Um, the the Also, the major piece to this is, is Daryl Morey. You know, he's not going to make um, a deal just to make one, but we'll we'll swing trades for stars. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on just how the situ- situation is is still unfolding and what could be next for Ben Simmons? Because like you know, we've talked <clears> about <throat> in the past, if he doesn't change who he is as a player, it doesn't really matter the destination he goes to. He's still going to have the same type of um, just um, like the same type of difficulties and setbacks um, mm-hmm. to to eventually becoming a champion. You know what? Before I even get to that, he declined a meeting. With some of the players, they didn't say yeah, specific names, but he yeah. declined a meeting. Didn't want to meet them in uh, L.A., and that really, that really kind of highlights what if we're all just, you know, getting on Ben Simmons' case of him not being a team player, him not doing certain things, and not you know what what's really happening in that locker room where he doesn't want to take. He's been playing with these guys for multiple years. He doesn't want to take a meeting with them or meet up with them. Something has to be bigger than what they're saying about Ben Simmons. And I think it's closer to the Markel Fultz type of issue. And everybody yeah. got bad on Markel Fultz because of him sitting out, him, his shot and different things like that. So they always say there, the There's going to be a major story that drops a couple of weeks after he gets traded. Like it, it's going to be I a bombshell so. story that's going to drop. It has to be. Yeah. Because we've looked at multiple guys who came out of the 76ers they always say the process, the process. But I think it's more. We looked at the the scandal with the general manager. Remember a couple of years ago, the scandal you're, with general manager. Yeah, he was doing the, the fake Twitter accounts and stuff like that and doing some shady stuff behind. So what's really going on in the 76ers, 76ers excuse me, uh, locker room, the organization? What's really going on in there? 
if a Ben Simmons who's played with multiple multiple years in this in the, in this league and with his team doesn't want to take a meeting with the players that he's played with, something's going on. But because I, I, I love to play devil's advocate, I love to have both sides of it. But let's get back to the basketball side. Ben, you better find you a shot, brother. You better find it fast and super fast. You better be sonic or something. Because like you said, <laughs> the, the team that's looking good right now for him to get traded to is the Kings. And, I, and I've, I've been looking around. I mean, I've been looking at stories and stuff, storylines, and it looks like the Kings are in the best situation to obtain Ben Simmons. You get to the Kings, what are you going to do? <laughs> what, what is he going to do? That's that's really that's really the thing. It's I always go back to the Giannis comparison. Giannis is he's going to be willing to take shots, yes. and, and 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 even even when he didn't, and even even when they didn't go down as much, he he still kept taking them. Till you get to the game six uh, of the finals against Phoenix, and he's able to have an extremely efficient free throw shooting performance because he's yeah. over the course of, of of regular season games and playoff games, he's taking those and getting more reps. To, yeah. Till you get to the biggest game, and it actually starts going down for you. And he's building that confidence in himself. Yeah. I remember um, one Laker, when, I think it was last year when they was playing the Lakers, he was phenomenal in the first game. For yes, the at home. Yes. Yeah, at home, yeah. From the, uh, for the three-point line. And that then when that game was a, Lakers, a major sign. Yes. Yeah. But when we, went to, <laughs> when we went to the Lakers, <laughs> he started doing his famous uh, drive, step-step Euro, <laughs> tuck, run back. He's going to go back to what I know. <laughs> yeah. Screaming, y'all. Um, <laughs> but I like so the people confidence. say Giannis has no bag. Giannis has no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I really don't think he has no bag. But they said that. Well, you can't say that about LeBron because LeBron has so many moves besides yeah. him, like being a bully. He has one of the best fadeaways I've seen since Definitely. I've been watching. His watching fadeaway game is 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 so good. It's, it's up there with MJ's. MJ's fadeaway was just oh man. I, I I know I say a lot of stuff about MJ, but MJ as just many times as you thing. see it, it never got old. Like no, even in '98, it was still working. It was flawless, and his 44 inch vertical leap mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely helped that. But I mean, it looked great, and I think Giannis has improved in so many areas. So Ben yeah. Simmons, where is your improvement? Uh, it's, it's more than just being a facilitator and a guy who can run transition offense. You have to be, you have to create your own shot. You look at all these point guards, Stephon Marbury, Allen Iverson, James Harden, who can, is considered a point guard, who can create their own shot as well as facilitate. We, I know I always bag on James Harden, but he averages like five or six assists a game with yeah. his step back, step back dribble. He's an underrated shoot. facilitator. Yes, he is. He dropped dimes. Wham, 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 <laughs> dimes, bro. So, like, where is that? We yeah. A team needs more than that. And I, I think at this point, both, both like, sides were like, okay, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we'll get rid of you. But I'm glad he didn't go to Brooklyn. I'm glad he didn't. Oh, my goodness. That would have been terrible. How, how would that experience have worked? Him, him KD, and Harden? <laughs> Him, Katie, uh, uh, and then you gotta add um, <laughs> Blake Griffin, uh, yes. Jordan, like all Marcus these, Aldridge. Like, yeah, bro, you're literally a big man to them. Like you don't do anything. They're not gonna pass you the ball when it's four seconds left. And <laughs> Ben, take, take it, take us to the promised land. <laughs> <laughs> ben, shoot it, man. <laughs> he's gonna pass it. That's what he's gonna do. He's not gonna shoot the shot. I think no. he shot one three in his whole career. In the bubble. In the in bubble, the bubble of office. 
Oh my god! Where no fans were. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's fake. Maybe people watching. <laughs> yes, maybe that. Maybe that's what the what the problem is. Well, you got to get over that. Can't one. have them see me missing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a a whole cameras, you know, televising. Yeah, they're on you. So, I mean, yeah. People at home are watching. <laughs> right. Well, you better figure out something because if you go to the Kings, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to add some some something to your back for real. You have to create be able to create your own shot, do different things, shoot the three, mm-hmm. because the Kings are not no playoff contender. At all. Um, At all. But but now getting to uh, boxing and thoughts on, you know, Anthony Joshua losing to um, Alexander Usyk for the unified heavyweight championship and just how this shifts future heavyweight fights. Um, Usyk completely dominated Anthony Joshua, and this is his um, second career loss. Um, Usyk showed just heavyweight pop and an incredible boxing ability, but for there to, to be a musty heavyweight fight like Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, um, Joshua would, would have to do a rematch just like how he did with um, Andy Ruiz Jr. But what are your thoughts on this shocking upset and how it alter, uh, alters um, the heavyweight uh, hierarchy? Mr. Joshua, mm. he's not hungry anymore. And I think... You, you I can thought, see it too. Yeah, Deontay Wilder really pointed that out after he lost to... Um, um, Cheese. Ruiz? Ruiz. Yeah. yeah. Ruiz. When he lost to him and when he didn't want to, he was like, he didn't want to get up. He didn't want to fight no more. He was like, he was out of it. But I think he, he only beat him because the second time, because he came in overweight. He was not focused. He was off the glamour of his first, off the win of Joshua in the first match. And, and it just looked sloppy. Joshua didn't have the same intensity that he used to have. His power, his punches are look slower. He's just everywhere. He's not poised. He was getting picked apart. That's not the same Anthony Joshua. I've seen him humble his opponents. <laughs> you ever yeah. see the videos of talking crap right beforehand and the videos after they lose to him? He humbles people really fast. <laughs> now, well, he used to. Now he's in a slump. I think um, he has to get back to the drawing boards. You have to realize that you really love boxing because if you go out there and just box, I feel like he's like Pacquiao, but Pacquiao used to win. Mm-hmm. Pacquiao's just fighting for his country now, I think. Yeah, but uh, he just didn't look like he just looked like the Anthony Joshua. He didn't look. He didn't look good. Really looked like a shell of himself. Yes, I mean, it, it's yeah, and, and that that's really one of the main things. Um, in, in terms of like, you look at a, a Deontay Deontay uh, Wilder and a Tyson Fury. Like, what are you seeing for for, for them next? Because obviously. That is a that is another fight that people are really clamoring for. Like, like what is or, or your mm-hmm. thoughts on how that could play out um, when those two get back in the ring again? They keep pushing it back. Yeah, that's they the keep thing. pushing it back. It was supposed to happen. Pushing back the release date. Uh, <laughs> right, does it feel like Center by Lover Boy? Uh, <laughs> it's coming out New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be this summer. I'm looking because I've seen videos. I was impressed of his moving abilities. But then the press conference, and you just Fury knows how to get under people's skin. And I know, um, Ty, oh, not Tyson. I know Deontay was like, "Man, shut up, like, bro, like," because he's doing all these things. He's like, he's doing all this stuff, and he's doing it. <laughs> I'm trying to do that. <laughs> he's going to get him in the ring, and he's going to go back to the, the one punch pony. Like, ah, I messed it up. But he, and I feel like I want Deontay Wilder to to progress in his game. We'll stop. We're not just being a one one trick pony of just having the, the one of the strongest right hands ever want him to add combinations being uh, a, a complete boxer. Tyson Fury is a complete boxer. Mm-hmm. So it's 
I want to see him progress to that. And it's a part of me saying we're going to see the same Deontay Wilder. Maybe he gets lucky or Tyson Fury is going to outbox him like he did the second second um, match. I, it's some controversy. It's some some theories going on about the gloves and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But I don't know. I, I feel like we might get a new Deontay Wilder or Fury is going to just outbox him. He's going to go back to when everything is not working to what he trained like. He's going to go back to trying to knock him out just with the one punch and forget all about his mechanics. And Tyson yeah. Fury is going to outbox him. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting development to see how that all plays out. But transitioning to our our first album review with Baby King's The Melodic Blue and um, in his debut album, you know, as a rising star, he's showing just some, um, you know, a lot of versatility and wide ranging sounds on it. You know, a confidently just most mostly uh, a confident, most most self-produced uh, project. And, you know, there's just a free willing ethos that flows throughout this full length album. You know, on songs like Issues, it's a minimal and, and melodic, um, minimal and melodic auto tuned on Range Brothers with Kendrick, you know, there's more of a, a grand orchestral type of string to it and even soaring sense on the final track 16. But what were your thoughts on this debut? Because this is one that really, like out of all the albums that we've gotten recently, it sounded a lot of different from the ones that that we've been able to hear. And it was a type of shift from the usual type of um, typical sound that that we've been getting for some of these albums in the, in the past. Yeah, um, definitely different. Definitely, definitely different style. And um, I... I didn't know who Baby Keem was until they was announcing that it's gonna him and Kendrick was gonna do a, a label potential album together, blah blah blah. I didn't know they were even cousins. And then when I, when I turned it on, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is not Kendrick. He doesn't have the same style as Kendrick. Um, and I thought it was really, I thought it was really funny because I had this preconceived notion that just because they ran together, they're gonna have like similar styles. You look at Boz, you look at J Cole. They have some similarities in there because um, they hang around with each other a lot. They know each other from North Carolina, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. they're going to have similar sounds, similar styles. This is They totally mirror different. each other in many ways. Yes, but it's totally different with Kendrick and, uh, and Baby, Baby K. K. Um, but I think it was I think it was a dope – I think it's something you listen something to. Something to build on. Yes. You listen to it after you listen to a lot of, like, your normal style of music, normal um, ear mm-hmm. music. And you come to this and you kind of appreciate it more because it's different. It doesn't sound like anybody else. But at the same time, it's not something you like, <laughs> I don't know, grab It's not in constant rotation. No, 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 not at all. Um, but unless you like your style of music is his style of music or close right. to it, then it's going to be, you know, on rotation. For you. But, but if you listen to like Little Baby or Future and stuff like that, and you listen to that, you're like, oh, I don't know about this. But I think... From from a standpoint of not like trying to branch him into like lit ear listening ears, I think it was a good body of work, um, and it was a style of music which is the, the dopest thing in this industry. Having your own style, yeah, definitely. And, and, and I mean, out of all of the recent albums we've gotten, you know, obviously we got heard J Cole, um, Isaiah Rashad, and and, and uh, recently over this summer, which was a, a really good standout project. Still, um, Nas King's Disease Q is. To, to me, just still one of the best rap albums of the year. And obviously with, with Kanye and Drake's uh, latest albums, like what are kind of a few of the albums that you've like listened to um, over the past few months that are like, that just still stick with you and are still like heavily in your rotation um, as of now? Her, her's album, yes. for sure. And I will always say that she had a perfect album. It's hard to have a it's perfect flawless. album. 
It's uh yeah. In, in our album, in, in our album of the year, like last episode, it's it's gonna be. I feel like it's gonna be in there for sure. Uh, yeah, it has to be from the features, from the production, from just the way she presented it and the way she's still presenting it. It's mm-hmm. it's a great body of work, man. It's her voice, her just I don't know. She just brings it every time. She has yes. an ama- amazing um. Uh, uh, amazing writer. She writes her music. She has other writers. She has amazing camp, I would say. But uh, her album, um, she's um, who's who's other album? It's one more one more person that had a great album, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. Um, was it J Cole? No, I I haven't listened to J Cole's album okay. after that week, and I sat and I'm a big man. A it died down J. for you quick. It Bro, I did not even revisit it after second oh time. My like, goodness. I was, I was, I, it is set. Like, it's, I, it's still one that seems like it's just, it just, it's not like one of that vintage projects um, for you from him. It's not. I still listen to, obviously, Forest Hill Drive. I still listen to um, uh, KOD. Uh, Born Center. Mm. KOD is like, Semi. I listen to KOD, but I listen to more of the older, like, I still listen to his first album. Um, can't get it up. Can't get it up. They're like, bro, I listen to his old stuff. I mean, I like KOD. I like um, um, the one before that when he was talking about his friend and whatever. I can't remember the name. And I and I say I'm a J. Cole fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's it just Cold not, World? No, not Cold World. Um, the Cold World was his first one. His first oh, album. yeah. Talk about the one. Um, um, I think the uh, I want to fold clothes for you. I want to make you feel good. That oh, for album. your eyes only. For your eyes only. I yes. still listen to that. I like photo clothes. That's that's like one of my anthems sometimes. Like, I mm. want to photo clothes. That's some real stuff. Like, it's people think so J. lame. But that's some real stuff. But not. Um, it, that album, I haven't revisited. I don't know. It just wasn't appealing to me. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know why I listened to it. But I can't think about the other album. But I know her album was the standout. For yeah. sure. Definitely. Um and and, and 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 getting to Tim's uh, uh latest EP and this uh, mm-hmm. it's entitled If Orange Was a Place and it just has a, a rare sonic feel to it and this new EP was really a statement of artistic intent as you know mm-hmm. she took the classic funk roots of, of Afrobeats core and morphed them into a, a futuristic type of feel as this was you know a timeless sound and one that felt joyous and uplifting but still deeply personal to her and you know we were able to hear her on on, on Drake's CLB with Fountains and obviously like that gets her a lot of popularity and, and gets her her numbers uh, going up but what were your thoughts on this EP and just Tim's rising career as of now? Solid, solid. This is the type of album you could, well, EP, I would say EP, not album. This is the type of EP that you can listen to on any type of day, any type of mode. Like after the podcast yesterday, I turned it on and it was like cleaning up and doing some other stuff. Mm. And I was just like jamming yes. because it just it's just a vibe. Every song is a vibe. Even the ones that like the intro song was just like a vibe. You know what I mean? So I think her her stock has went up. One, she's on one of the hottest songs this year in um, Essence, and mm-hmm. people love her her verse and her in the part of the hook. So and then she's on CLB, which is like you know getting a million dollars without getting a million dollars <laughs> because just the advertising, <laughs> right? Just the advertising alone, and then you meet a billionaire. She finally meets um, Rihanna, and Rihanna yes. goes crazy. So her stock is rising right now. She has like 246 followers on um, with subscribers on YouTube. I think her 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 Spotify numbers are going up. So her stock is rising. 
And I love to see that because she's been doing music for a while as well. And once yes. you get your opportunity, you do you have to seize it, and that's what she's doing. Definitely. Um, and, and 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 it's really one of those things where obviously, like, she this is like the perfect setup to her to her album. Whenever her mm -hmm. album comes out, like, do you feel as though for certain artists, it, it's strategic to kind of have like a, a EP like this that gets people's attention, gets them, you know, just just more cousins to your music before you drop your full body of work. And, you know, I thought about that question. It depends. It depends on if you have one hit out, mm -hmm. just one like banger or like song people listen to. And I would say she fits into that, but she is. She's on CLB too. And she's she's probably done other music that's not even out yet that people haven't released yet. She's probably done a lot of features. So she has a, a, a stronger body of work. So now she can drop an EP and get people ready. But if, if you say you're an artist, you just got one hit out and no none of other your music is popping, nobody really listens to it but that song, then you got to drop another single and another yeah. single until you get to that point of like, okay, we see what you're doing with a couple songs. Now we're ready for a full body of project. Because if you give them a full body of pro even a half body of a project, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't go well because now you don't know how to fit songs together. Now you don't know how to be consistent in your rap or your flow or whatever. And it fails. Now you're going back to the single, I'm um, just a uh, one here wonder, I'm the single guy mm -hmm. or I'm the single girl, whatever the case may be with artists here. So it just depends on what situation the artist is in. But for Tim's, I think she she's an opportunity where she can put out a half body of, of work and be proud of it and people still gonna um, gravitate to it because she's she's at that level now so definitely um and, and interesting to our, to our last album review with cleo soul's mother and just thoughts on why she's still an, an underground artist um in her latest mm -hmm. album released last month um this follow-up to rose in the dark as her second solar project reveals her giving out wider encouragement analysis of um formative memories and just elements of faith that are are points that can be observed throughout and um just the casual delicate intimacy that soul sings with is one of the um the main things that correlates with some of her qualities and trends in her craft. But what were your initial thoughts on Mother and just how it was a calm, spacious, and then we're looking to her life because she does have this, she doesn't have a commercial sound because like I even heard Joe Button on his podcast a few weeks ago saying he doesn't get why she's still an underground artist. But at the same time, you can tell specifically that this is not going to be the type of sound that translates to the mainstream or, or, or for radio play. She She's possibly made for just the... <laughs> I guess uh, a particular level in the industry, because like yeah. you said, she doesn't have a commercial sound. And I think this album, even the, the cover is her with her, I think her, her kid mm -hmm. and, and the music kind of correlates with that because it's literally like a lullaby. It's, it's a, a, a sound of music where you just, it's a vibe. It's a calming theme and it doesn't get you hype. It doesn't get you happy. Really. It just gets you mellow. Like yeah. it's a, a, a sedation or something. Just gets you mellow, gets you cooled down. Like even and a song even, like Build Me Up. Build Me Up has this yeah. like gradual feel to it. I mean, it's, an, it's one of my favorite songs off this album, but it just has this just like this slow methodical feel to it that you really have to just, just stay in tune for. Yeah, and I understand why she's not a um, <laughs> bigger than what she is. And maybe that's perfect for her. Maybe that's perfect for her fan base. Because I, I, I think I, I mentioned this before, you look at artists who went from just being, you know, in their own style and then going into being commercial artist, Summer Walker, she's definitely a, a perfect <laughs> depiction of that because she's changed everything about herself. 
yeah. hearing the music. So I'm hopefully I'm hoping that with this new album that she's trying to drop either later this year or early yes, next it's year. It's gonna be later this year. I can't wait for that. That she goes back into, you know, her old days of session thirty two or D yes. or CPR, those type of songs that made you feel that made Go back that, to your core. Yeah, you can tell she's emo. You can tell she doesn't really like people. You can tell she has trust issues. I mean, we got no playing games out of the commercial. I think that's a commercial song, but it's still in her DNA. But you look at her whole entire album, I really did not rock with it. It didn't sound like her. Mm. So I'm hoping that she goes back into that style of music, but you know it's commercial. But for for, for Cleo, I think that's perfect for her because that's that's what she's living. You know, she's yeah. living this, the life, the, you know, the, her music is an example of the lifestyle she's living. So, And, and there's appreciation, and there's appreciation for artists like this, because I don't want to always hear the same type of thing. Like, I, I really like, like hearing like something that was just, that didn't sound like any other project that I've really heard in, like right. in the, in the past for a while. And I feel like, and like my, my main point is that I just, I just feel as though, even though she may never get to the commercial sound. I don't even think mm-hmm. I, I want her to, because honestly, if yes. this is out, this is what she continues to do. I feel like this is going to be great music throughout the, the upcoming years. Yes. And it's, it's going to be her. It's yeah. going to be completely her. No one changed her. No one altered her music. She, the, I'm pretty sure <laughs> they probably said, well, let's, let's do another album cover. Let's do a different, but she's lying on a, a couch, laying on yes. a couch with her baby in her arms. And it's literally the cover art is the greatest illustration of the, the, the entire project. That's what it, I mean, it's perfect. That's her. That's all, that's all her, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sheesh, man. Is it, is it like her niche? Like, like, Not even her niche. Her, like she has control over it. Right. That's, that's, that's all her control. Like all her controls. No one told her to do something different or they probably did. I don't know if she signed or not, but that's all her control. She chose mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? You, you know how labels do. Labels be like, ah, we don't really like that. We don't think that's going to be um, uh, marketing, a marketable uh, cover art or marketable album cover. Let's do this one. Because that, that, that's even a thing that um, Nori off of Drink Champs, he always asks like guests when, when they're on like, do you like major independent? And it, it's like it's like one of those core things, like which which type are you into? Like, like, like right. what, how do you want to like dictate your career and how it plays out? Mm-hmm. And I think that's big for artists. Because you look at Chance Rapper, I think he's one of them, um, big on being independent and having all control. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, I mean, if you're if you're smart enough, you can, you know, get to a point where you can have a higher percentage of your royalties or your whatever, whatever from a label. But it's 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 rare these days. So a lot it's of people are staying rare. indie. But people, I mean, do you want control or do you want to be controlled? I think that's the the biggest thing. That's for the baseline. Artists. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Batman Begins review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our Batman Begins review. And we're joined once again by a special guest, Trent Morales. I'm a good friend of the show and has been on for countless reviews in the past. Trent, thank you. Thank you just so much for being back on, man. Hey, absolutely, man. It's, uh, it's always fun to, of course... To talk Nolan and his direction yes. of film, but and, and also talk Batman. Batman is always fun to talk about. Definitely. And to start with the overview, Batman Begins is a 2005 superhero film directed by Christopher Nolan and written by Nolan and David S. Gore, based on the DC Comics character Batman, starring Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Cillian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Rucker uh, Har, Ken Wat- Watanabe, and Morgan uh, Freeman in supporting roles. Um, the film reboots. 
the Batman film series telling the origin story of Bruce Wayne from the death of his parents to his journey to becoming a Batman and his fight to stop Ra's al Ghul and the Scarecrow from plunging Gotham City into chaos. Um, it has an 84% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, a budget of $150 million and brought in $373.6 million in the box office. Um, it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best uh, Cinematography and has been cited as one of the best influential films of the 2000s. But to start it off, Trenton, just what were your initial thoughts of this film as one that really understood the essence of one of the defender superheroes? And is it, it, it kind of, it does, it's a type of Batman film that doesn't get mentioned as much as Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises because it doesn't you know, have the, this, the premier villains that, that kind of give off like more memorable performances. But what do you think of this film as kind of one, in, one of Nolan's underrated ones? You know, first time I saw the trailer for, for Batman Begins, I my thought was, this is not Batman and Robin, and this is not <laughs> Batman Forever or anything like yeah. that. This is a this is a whole new game. And I think, and it, it, it we'll riff on this later, um, but like the it just it, it it felt like there was a much more mature tone coming to the Batman movies, and like mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this this is before. To be completely honest, this is before I even knew who Christopher Nolan was, yeah. who I knew uh, who uh, Christian Bale was. And of course, you know, I didn't know who Michael Caine was, but you, you recognize those few people. You recognize like Morgan Freeman, yeah, familiar faces, right, right. I think you know at that, at that point in time, Katie Holmes was, her career started to take off uh, from Dawson's Creek, and which my wife is smiling at me right now because I'm missing <laughs> that for her. Uh, but you know, she's coming off of Dawson's Creek and you know, kind of breaking out of that WB. Warner Brothers model of TV and it's kind of, it's starting start to begin starting movies. So it's like, oh man, like this thing is good. And I, I just remember seeing it. I remember going to see it with my brother-in-law in theaters and just, yeah, just, yeah, at the time didn't really appreciate it like I do now. But yeah, I was definitely like, oh, I'm, I'm I am seeing that movie. Uh, just, Must see. It, just, yeah, yeah, just the allure of it to me was like, oh, I'm definitely in. Absolutely. Um, Savon, to you, kind of like what were your initial thoughts of the film and even like when it first came out, just like your memories and also just when you last saw it to, to just kind of your initial thoughts um, and takeaways from it? Oh, um, finally a new Batman. That was like the first, I forgot <laughs> what age I was, but um, a new Batman because my Batman at the time was uh, George Clooney. And I remember watching that. And I remember Thumbs down. It. Yeah, exactly. the booze. That's the first <laughs> Batman movie I watched was the George Clooney with Batman and Batgirl oh, and all that oh stuff. Gosh. It was just terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> terrible. So when this Batman came, I was like, oh, it's a nice action. We got updated stuff, updated gadgets. Like it was just mm-hmm. the storyline was really good because we've seen like 30,000 Batman storylines. How they mm-hmm. family got killed in the alleyway, then how they family got killed at a Dunkin' Donuts. It's just like you don't know what's <laughs> Wow, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect a Dunkin' Donuts reference. <laughs> wow. Seasons to amaze me. Seasons to amaze me. Brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. But no, I thought it was a way better Batman than George Clooney's Batman. And I was just saying, like, thank God. And this, yeah, this was really dope. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, uh, Trenton, like in terms of Nolan having to, to reinvigorate a, a franchise that we know so well, do you think that mm-hmm. was one of the biggest challenges he's probably ever had to face in his career is re kind of like j- just shaping this franchise and what the narrative could be? Totally. I mean, um, you, you know, the and the thing is, he did it in his in his style, in his way. Um, yeah. You know, the, the countless 
reviews we've done about Nolan is that he always see he will always play with the past, mm-hmm. like the present, and then kind of like a little bit ahead in the uh, in the future, you know, um, or like you know whatever. Like basically, because we see three different timelines going on, we see Bruce as a kid, we see Bruce as a college student, and we see Bruce as an adult trying to figure out his life. And now that he is becoming Batman. And like and, and again, it falls into the mode of what Nolan does. He he bounces from timeline to timeline to tell a story. But what he did was he just he took the source material and just made it so concrete in the real world mm-hmm. that it made you believe that Batman could be somebody up in New York City handling handling thugs and all that stuff. You Definitely. know, so like every everything about it felt real. And and just the storytelling, the emotional draw, it, it this is what this is what Christian Bell did that a lot of other guys have not been able to do. He made you believe he was Batman. He made you believe he was Bruce Wayne. And that comes from good directors. It comes from guys who can kind of pull it out of those guys and say, Hey, you know, push, go a little further, like go into the ethos of who this character is. And and as we know now, you know, it it spawned one of the greatest superhero movies ever in the Dark Knight, yes. and then they, they concluded the trilogy with Dark Knight Rises. So, which yeah, was a I, solid I ending. Which is which, which was a solid ending to the trilogy. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that movie was forever doomed <laughs> by the performance of Heath Ledger and what exactly. he did in the Dark Knight. Uh, but I think Nolan, yeah, you know, to to really solidify himself as a household name, <laughs> he definitely made it happen with this movie. Definitely. Um, and now transitioning to our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, to, to you, Trent, to start it off, what would be your particular rating and, and some of your reasons for it? Oh, let's see. I was, I was thinking about this a little earlier. I actually rewatched uh, Batman Begins this morning um, oh, wow. just to kind of, yeah, yeah just, just, just to kind of get my mind. A sharp refresh. A sharp refresh, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's so easy to fall on you know, just to go for a four, but I'm going to roll three and a half. That's exactly uh, my rating. That's my rating too. Uh, yeah. because, because I think it, there was definitely a sense of like, we're getting there. It, it, like, it was by no means. The plane, the know, plane hasn't was, landed yet. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, it's getting fueled up. It's, it's, you know, we're, 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 all, we're all getting ready for it, but there's definitely some parts of us like, okay, this feels this feels like a rookie, you know, this feels like a rookie kind of big film. And, yeah. um, and I don't know, I don't know if it's like, you know, I haven't really pinpointed why I feel that way, but you can just tell like, okay, we're it, honestly, what it feels like is like Batman year one. It's mm. what I feel like. It's what I feel like we're going to, we're going to get. You're, you're saying that you're seeing the potential, but you're not really seeing the fully formed project flesh out. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's, it's what we'll see when we see Pattinson in the spring. In his movie, mm. we'll, we'll probably get that same vibe of like, oh, this guy is just trying to take on the whole, you know, squad of ninjas by himself. It's like, no, bro, you, you got like all the stuff you could use to help you. So, yeah, I, I think it's just, um, yeah, there are parts of that, of course, that obviously stand out, and it will it will forever stand as one of the best intro to a hero movies that we've got. Oh, yes. um, but I definitely think that, that it, it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but it was really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I I gave it the same rating, three and a half. You know, this this was an overall brooding and dark, but just still a very exciting and smart film at the same time to to really introduce this trilogy. Um, but to you, Savon, from one to four stars, kind of what would be your particular rating for it? I can't believe you guys. Three what? and a half stars. What? 
Three and a half. That's a good rating. No, it's not. It's a good rating. In between. Give it four. What are you rating? Round it up. (laughs) You know us. It's being precise. It's being precise. It's being exact. A precise? No, three and a half is definitely not precise. It's being indecisive because you're in between three and four. (laughs) Give it a four. Give it a four. There he is. (laughs) Why to to you is this a four-star film? Why to you is this a a four-star film? Because y'all gave it a three and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, Amazing no, takes. You know, you know <laughs> okay. why I think Christian Bale's depiction of Batman, like Trent said, is, was spot on. I think yeah. we look at the previous Batman. I think Michael Keaton's Batman, Batman was really good. Yes. George Clooney was Batman. It was really bad. So it was just like <laughs> going to now, it's a new, like a new era. And I think we don't give new era movies enough credit. So you give it a three and a half instead of giving it a four, which it deserves a four. It was no missing but holes to the film. It's teetering. That we're saying we're saying right. three and a half because it's keter. It's teetering yeah. to that like that fully like the, because, that top rated potential of Dark Knight. Yeah, because it, it's not the Dark Knight, and, 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 and that's the reason why it's not a four because it's not the Dark Knight. See, that's the Dark the Knight thing. is is the superior Batman film. That's the thing. What if we never got a sequel? Never got another movie four. after that. Then it will be oh, four. Now it, it's it will be four. What followed it up? What followed it up prevented it from being that? Dark Knight Rises cannot be a four because of what it had to follow you up. You guys are insane. <laughs> what are we doing here? This is full scope. Give it the full scope. Well, it's in its written. Give it a four. <laughs> I can't believe you guys. Oh my goodness. It's a four on my part, bro. Every Batman movie. So what would you give Dark Knight Rises? A four. Oh, gosh. Well, all of them are four. With Bane. Hey, at, at, at least it's consistent. Yeah. At least it's consistent. I, I, I'll go yeah. with that. I'll go with that. Y'all didn't give it a yeah. four because Dark Knight come out. Right. We just have a different premise. We, we, we just have a different a different view on it. We just have a different view on it. You sound me and Trent think alike. Oh, my God. Oh, that was a gang up. Oh, that was me and Trent think alike. Wait, 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 wait. What about me? <laughs> it's all love, man. It's all love. We started. We we we, we started from the beginning, man. We started from the. No, wait, wait. You're not gonna be satisfied until you say hi. My name is uh Wellington Burns. This is Full Scope with my counterpart Trend. <laughs> what? Trend's the counterpart. <laughs> Been planning it for years. Planning a Christopher Nolan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go through every film, every scene. Uh, oh, you guys give oh, me goodness. such uh, good laughter. Okay, <laughs> I get the story. But, 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 but getting to the favorite character, um, I, I mean, overall, like w- with what Razal Gul became, I feel as though he had such a pivotal role in this film, and you know, he's acting as a mentor to Bruce, and eventually. The plan to, to take down Gotham leads to a very thrilling finale, and I feel like his role is very essential in this film. Um, but so you, Trent, who, who overall was your favorite character? Lucius Fox. Give mm-hmm. me Lucius mm-hmm. Fox every day. Mm-hmm. We have not been given Lucius Fox in any Batman film leading up to this. And when when I finally got to, got the idea of who he was and how important he was, you see that he has a fixture in everything now. Like he's in yep. the Batman Arkham games. He's in you know, any kind of new interpretation of film or, or, or animation. He's there. Yeah. Like why? Like why? Why have we waited this long to get Lucius into the fold? You know, especially to have you know because it makes it more believable now that Bruce Wayne can run a company 
and use the resources of his company to fund his adventure as Batman when you have somebody on the inside. It makes mm-hmm. that much more sense. And, and also, oh, also, too, he can create stuff for Batman. It just yeah. makes it that much better. And I think his character is pivotal to the, I mean, just as much as Alfred is pivotal to Batman, I think Lucius Fox is pivotal uh, to who Batman is as well, too. Uh, just as far as, again, just being an insider voice for the Wayne Corporation to protect Bruce Wayne, but also protect Batman as well, too. Mm. Um, uh, to you, Savon, kind of like who was your overall favorite character in, in this particular one? Well, I have to say Jim Gordon. And I think mm-hmm. I said Jim Gordon because this, his character, we get like a glimpse of how important and how, yes. like, I guess his character is seen in Gotham. Because right. we don't see, we don't get Harvey Dent yet. We don't get these other guys just yet. But we see how profound his, his I want to say this horror, just him being a cop is in, in Gotham City. And him just working closely with Batman and Batman trusting only really two people. Well, three. I'll give you three. I guess um, it's uh, Alf, well, four. Because, you, you know, Batman really don't trust a lot of people. I think it's he Lucius. Does and then it's uh, Alfred, of course. You got to butler and then um the girl i don't even know her name in this movie what's her name rachel rachel dawes rachel yeah. oh yeah rachel which, I which, like which, which I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie when i when i rewatched it today i was like oh i don't like that he told her his identity i was like you know i because you know, batman I, it, 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 I, we'll talk about, I mean, we'll talk about this later but there's there more secrecy ways. there's more secrecy to batman yeah. usually Right, yeah. He, I don't think he would just easily give. I don't think Batman, like, if we're going by like comic books, mm-hmm. I don't think he gives it up like at that easy. I mean, we see even when he's around the Justice League, he, right. he never takes his mask off. That that Joker is like, he is Batman, and that's one thing that Rachel Dawes said was like, oh, you know, the the mask is actually Bruce Wayne. The real person is Batman, but like, but to Savon's point as well too. This is just as much of a um, a intro to Jim Gordon as it is Bruce Wayne and Batman, because now we're seeing Gordon make that rise from being a beat cop to a detective, and then ultimately to almost in Dark Knight to commission. So yeah, I, I agree with Savon. I think Jim Gordon is great. Um, Gary Oldman, I mean, he owns that role. Yes, and again. It, what allows it to be, to to become so great is because every interpretation of Jim Gordon prior to that sucked. It was not good. It was not handled with care. Like Jim Gordon is a rough guy yeah. who was hardened by the the violence of Gotham, and he need he, he wants to do what's right in spite of all all the wrong around him. So uh, yeah, Savon, uh, I think if I didn't say Lucius, I would definitely say Jim Gordon for sure. Mm, Look at that. What Wellington? You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. No, it's not going to be this way throughout. It's not going to be this way throughout. It's not going to be a tug of war. It's not going to be a tug of war. It hurts when you said the body cocker. But getting to most memorable scenes, um, I have the will to act where um, Ducard teaches mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne about the power of will. Um, also, the Night Stalker, Batman breaks up a drug shipment and kidnaps uh, Falcone. Oh, yeah. um, the Doctor isn't in. Um, Batman breaks up Dr. Uh, Crane's plan to contaminate city water supply and gives him a taste of his own medicine. Also, the Tumblr chase where Batman races through the streets of Gotham. 
I'm evading police in the new Bat- Batmobile. Uh, the train fight, Batman has a final battle with uh, Henry Descartes aboard a, a speeding train. And then finally, uh, the ending where Jim Gordon explains to Batman that there will be escalation in Gotham uh, now that he's around. Um, but so you, Trent, kind of like what were uh, some of your mem- memorable scenes in this film? Um, it, it is like that that scene where we, we get Batman in his suit and he's busting up that drug raid. I mean, mm-hmm. that is prototypical Batman right there. Uh, the yep. way that he's like, you know, moving in the darkness, um, <laughs> the way that he's like, um, the guy's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> that scene was so great. Um, strap up, you know, Falcone uh, up on the, the, the city light was fantastic. Um, the, let's see. I love that we got to see a little bit of the, of the detective side of Batman, yeah. where he was like looking into the apartment where the drugs were. Um, the interrogation scene with uh, Gordon's partner. I mean, just mm-hmm. brutal to drop that dude up and down. Up yes. and down. I mean, just, I mean, absolutely brutal. And, um, but yeah, I, but one that I always like definitely kind of stands out to me is that, is that training scene. Uh, when he's, and he's like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. And the way that he just like, like flies out of that mug, like it's just incredible. It's, it's definitely one of the uh, top memorable scenes. Oh, for sure. And, and yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a top Batman moment, period. Mm-hmm. Like as far yeah. as like the way that he got out of that situation and just let uh, you know, gravity take care of, take care of his own problems. <laughs> so. Definitely. Um, so you say, Von, kind of like what were some of your uh, memorable scenes in this film? I think the most, well, I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of them, but I think it's one when Bruce was getting dressed to go to, I think, a ball or something. And Alfred was talking to him. He was, you know, mm-hmm. saying, he was like, only reason why I didn't call the man's of the coat because of, like, he, I forgot what he pointed at, but he was just saying, like. Oh, it was, it was a TV. He's yeah. like, he's like, well, what do you call that? He's like, it's like damn good television. Yeah, and then he was just like, you know, Alfred always was the voice of reasoning for him because Mm -hmm. he had to play two sides. He had to be the obnoxious obnoxious rich guy and play the role, which he kind of hated, but he played it so greatly because I guess he was one. And then he had to play Batman. He had to differentiate both sides. And I think that's why I guess he inadvertently told Rachel who he was because he was in love with her since whatever. Like, gosh, yeah. I hate how they switched Rachel up in the different movies, whatever. But I think that was, was a dope scene because Alfred is always the voice of reasoning. He's not just mm-hmm. the butler or the guy who just makes sure he keeps yeah. everything on the hush hush. She's your voice of reasoning. He's like your father. And I think that's why mm-hmm. I like the when I think it was, uh, which one was with Bane? Um, Dark Knight Rises. That's Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, he, 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 he said, I'm not going to be able to bury you. I'm not going to be able to stay around for what you're, for what you're doing to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then he gave him the, the, mm-hmm. the vision, a dream he had. I want to see you across and whatever, having dinner with or whatever. And then him just smiling and tipping his watch calm. That's what I love. That was Epic ending. Yeah. Love that ending. Uh, for sure. Um, but by transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had, uh, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me from Bruce. Um, also, your anger gives you great power, but if you let it, it will destroy you from the card. Um, I seek the means to fight injustice, to turn fear against those who prey on the earth from Bruce. Um, it's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you from Rachel. Um, also, it's not just your name, sir. It's your father's name. and It's all that's left of him. Don't destroy it from Alfred. Um, you were my greatest student. It should be you standing by my side, saving the world from Descartes. And finally, um, why do we fall, Bruce, so we can learn to pick ourselves up from Thomas Wayne? 
Um, but to you, Trent, kind of like what were some of the quotes that really stick out to you, the, uh, stood out to you the most in, in this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that line uh, from Thomas Wayne, uh, why do we fall so we can pick ourselves back up? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it, that carries just as much weight as like, you know, Uncle Ben telling Peter, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, that, yeah. that I think that's just a, that's a statement for Batman. It just like, sticks with you. Fall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, when, when Alfred tells him, you know, you know, we'll ask him why Bats Master Wayne, and he's like, Bats frightened me. It's time my enemies shared my dread. Um, and then when Henry Ducard is saying your compassion is a weakness, your enemies will not share. And Bruce says, that's why it's so important. It separates us from them. Because I think, mm. I think something, again, something we've not gotten in every interpretation of Batman outside of the, like the animated series, like, you know, I did not know Batman was a ninja, basically. <laughs> yeah. know, I did not know that he had right. spent time learning martial arts. And that's what made him such a proficient crime fighter was because he knew how to be stealth and everything like that. So, but, but, but what it also showed too, was that he had a choice to make, Oh, I, I can take this group of guys with me and burn Gotham to the ground, or I could take what I, my resources, what I have and use them for the good of humanity. Now to be, to be fair, I think we do see that. I mean, Batman goes to the edge f- frequently, like he, you know, yes. and I think, and I think Gotham suffers for that sometimes because, like, you know, instead of, and I, I, this is not advocate, I'm not advocating for, <laughs> for for the murder of individuals, but like, you keep Joker around, he keeps showing up. You keep all these different guys around, they keep showing up, they keep circulating back in and out, in and out. So Gotham can never really kind of get over that hump because of Batman's code. I think it's a great code to have, but also too, it does weigh on Batman, and it ultimately cost him you know very very dearly um but i think that quote separates like batman bruce wayne from the league of shadows because it shows that oh i'm not i'm not just here just to kill people i'm here to bring help here to be some kind of a source of light or quote unquote a a dark night uh in, in that in that city yeah absolutely um uh to, to you Savon, kind of like what were some of the quotes that, that really resonated with you the most in this one um, two from Jim Gordon and Batman, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was like, I never said thank you. And Batman said, you'll never have to. And I think that mm. was like the, the synopsis of their future relationship in, you know, their bond. And that's why he gets to turn on them, the bat signal. <laughs> but no, it was another one yeah. when uh, Batman was bringing out Rachel and he was like, oh, Jim Gordon was like, oh, let me get my car. He was like, I brought mine, brought yours. <laughs> he was like, "Well, I gotta give you one of those. Uh, you don't got no money for that." But you don't <laughs> have that. Yeah, right. dope scenes. Two uh, yeah. Um, but but transitioning to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, t- to me, just how this film blurred the lines between a superhero movie and crime dra- drama was 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 mm. done very well. And this was a more you know, as you said earlier, trend, a more grounded, realistic take on Batman. Just had a different feel to it overall, and and the aura of it. Um, but to you, Trent, kind of like what particular element of the storyline uh, did you like the most? Um, yeah, I think I, I think just, I'm just going I'm to arrive that you know, rock kind of that same line of thought. Just the the rootedness of this film, mm-hmm. um, and I've watched some of the special features that I have for myself, um, and like you know, no no one talks about in in the special features how everything they do in that film can you know basically can be done by another human being. Um, 
as far as like, you know, the grappling, everything, it's all realistic. You know, like the bat, the Batman hanging from the train as he's like flying through Gotham, that, that, that was a scene they filmed. Yeah. So, I mean, again, just to be able to see that and see how they kind of took it and then brought it to it, um, just made it, you know, that much more clear. And also too, they nailed Gotham. Absolutely. Like we finally got a good look at Gotham yes. where there was no black light. This was how was Gotham no... should have been portrayed all along. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think if, if there was one thing I wish Nolan would have done for the rest of these films is we would have, I wish we would have got more of Arkham Asylum. I don't mm-hmm. think we've gotten a good Arkham Asylum yet. We, we got a little bit of it mm-hmm. in this film. Uh, but, but I think we need, I, I would love to see more. Like to Definitely. see, you know, and dive more into those characters into that backstory because that's a whole other, that's a kind of a whole other world outside of Gotham right there. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> to, to you, Savon, kind of like what particular element of this storyline uh, did you like the most? How, because we in the previous Batman's we never got the full story of mm-hmm. the trauma, the traumatic, you know death of his mom and dad and him being able to go into the I guess you could say the wilderness and meeting Ra's al Ghul and being yeah. this ninja and doing this certain stuff and having that humble side because we don't see rich people or like people who have a silver spoon really go through the same things that the people of Gotham City has so they did a great job of highlighting that Batman may have money but he's a man of Gotham City because everything mm-hmm. that Gotham City has resulted or did to anybody else in there is did to Bruce Wayne. To a rich guy, was a kid, scattered bats now, but now he's this crime fighter. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like they give you a different style. Like, you don't ever see any, any like, I guess, superheroes, watch that you see a guy who had a silver spoon be a man of the people. Mm. If that makes sense, I think it's a really good a point. great job, great job highlighting that. Yeah, because you know, people are like, bro, you don't know my struggle. Get out of here. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? You, know <laughs> you don't know my struggle. No, my parents yeah. died in the streets too, cuz like, <laughs> like it was raw too, cuz like, yeah, I was forty days, forty nights in the wilderness. So like, <laughs> but no, I just really like the fact that they they highlighted that they made sure. That he was just not this vigilante guy just doing it because he was bored. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So there was a per- there was a purpose and intent for it. Exactly. Um, but, but but getting to our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Um, I definitely think it will because you know this really will be remembered as a a pretty extraordinary start to one of the you know most iconic trilogies trilogies in film history. And there's just so much gravitas that um Christian Bale brings to this character overall, but. So you, Trent, what do you think will continue to make this a watchable and intriguing movie? Because it's it's going up against, it's forever going to be remembered in the in the field of a, a, a packed trilogy, but this really was a starter to something legendary. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it, Willis, with that. It's it's the fact that it's not just like one movie. It's you got three yeah. high quality, solid movies back to back to back over a span of you know over a span of like seven years that we just get this. I mean. You, you could put it right up there with like, you know, think about any trilogy. You know, the Star Wars Matrix trilogy, the the Matrix. Um, I, I know people may not feel as much about it as like I do, but like 
the Godfather one, two, and I love three. Godfather. I mean, just on and on and on. You know, just all these all these children that now stand up and now you can insert Batman into that as well too. Yeah, that's been handled by Christopher Nolan. Just because, again, you know, we always say this well into that when you tell a good story and when you really you know kind of invest into what you're doing, mm-hmm. it's going to stand the test of time. Absolutely. And for I think you know for uh, for people like ourselves. You know, as we enjoy movies, as we enjoy revisiting things, mm-hmm. we'll continue to do it over and over. We, we, it may not be as like rewatchable as, as some other stuff, but it's gonna it's gonna be in the rotation. Like, it's gonna be yeah. in the rotation. You're you're, you're keep playing it, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's definitely good for at least one or two viewings a year. Absolutely, I would say that. Definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, what do you think will continue to make this a watchable, intriguing movie? Uh Christian Bale as Batman. Um, mm-hmm. which I mean. I think he's definitely top three, mm, top two. You, hey, you're already breaching into the next, the bonus question, the top five, your top five yeah, Batman uh, actors. <laughs> you, you you can start off, Savon. You, you can give your top five. Um, Michael Keaton. I mm. think he was phenomenal at Batman. Okay. Wait, wait, Michael Keaton's number one. Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yes. okay. Michael All Keaton right. is All number right. one. Okay. Uh, Adam West okay. is number two. I just, I just love Adam West, bro. <laughs> Rest in peace to Adam West. Uh, number three, definitely Christian Bale. Ah, uh, oh, now it gets tough. Can I just stop at three? Because I don't want to say George. <laughs> I don't say he doesn't want to admit Ben Affleck was a good Batman. You know, Ben. Uh. No, he was not. <laughs> but he, he was, was much better. I'm, hey, this is the thing. He was much better oh, yeah. than George Clooney and Val Kilmer. He was much, yes, he was much he better was. than those guys. Yes, he was. It, to me, it's Christian Bale, Michael Keaton are, 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 are top two, but Ben Affleck, he was much better than, than the bottom than the bottom than the bottom ones. Yes. Adam West definitely number three. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, okay, two, Adam, I Adam, Adam West. Adam was, I said Adam West was number three, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have Adam West in my top three. Yeah. It, what I always say to what I said to Wellington before we before we uh, decided we were going to record this one was like, here's the deal about you know when you when you're ranking these guys, okay, how do they handle Bruce Wayne and Batman? Mm. Because that that's a, that's 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 a very important thing. You're essentially being asked to play two different characters right. in one movie, um, and I think Christian Bale, you know, we, we don't see as much of. I feel like we don't see as much as of Bruce kind of going forward in this trilogy. I mean, we see him pretty, pretty often in the dark Knight rises. I think, mm-hmm. you know, something I said when we reviewed dark Knight rises, was like, I felt like Batman was missing in his own film. Yeah. But we had too it was much. Very absent. It wasn't enough Batman, you know? Right. Right. You don't really um, get him to, the, you don't really get him until like the last 30 minutes of just full force Batman. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I think Christian Bale, it, it, it's not perfect, but I think he definitely embodies Bruce Wayne and Batman, well, um, uh, right behind that, I do think Michael Keaton yep. is great. Um, you know, he he definitely he, he, the thing about Bat the Batman and then Batman Returns is that you have to think about it in the time period it was released and how like how great it was. I mean, I think that's why we could still look back and say, "Oh, Jack Nicholson was as a, a phenomenal Joker because he was great for the time that he was in." You know, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Those were great characters yes. in that in that time period. Um, after Keaton, I, I say Affleck is right there for me. I think he he definitely embodied that older, you know, just 
worn down, brutalized, no hope for humanity whatsoever Batman. And, you know, I think his Bruce Wayne was not good. Of course, we didn't get too much of it, but I, think, I don't think it was good. Right. But I think the elements of his Batman were good as far as, like, you know, the technology he had, the way that he, you know, took on his missions and all that thought that was good. Um, I'm going to go, I, I know he's not a live action actor, but you have to, you have to throw Kevin Conroy into the discussion um, because mm. him lending his voice to that Batman made it iconic. Okay. So now, you know, when, when we watch the animated series, which of course I think is the, the peak of Batman because they're able to really explore everything about him. Um, yeah, his voice is tied right to that. So I know, I know we're all talking live action here, uh, but uh, I think you have to, if you're a fan of Batman, you have to acknowledge that Kevin Conroy is just as much in the discussion yeah. as any other actor is. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I don't even want to rank like Val Kilmer. Hey, this, this, this is the part I want to get to, Trenton. Who, who's the worst Batman ever? Yeah. Who's the worst Batman ever? <laughs> Between Val and George. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I think it might be... I think it might be Val. Mm. Um, because there was no separation whatsoever between him and Bat, like Bruce Wayne and Batman. Right. Like, you know, like there was no distinction in voice, nothing. Um, but, but also, too, like, George did make me believe, like, he didn't make me believe he was Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He didn't make me believe he was Batman. It was so corny how they presented that film. Um, you know, like, when they got this idea about making Gotham this black light, cra- you know, crazed town, I'm like, this is yeah, not Gotham, Yeah, not the image man. of Gotham. <laughs> it, it, not at all, you know. It, it was just such. It, it was, was such like bad. it wasn't. It wasn't one that like like you said. It wasn't one that you could take seriously. It was just one. It, it was just something that was there for a certain time period that did not age well. No, not at all, not at all. And I think, and the fact that they were they were close to doing another one with oh, George goodness. Clooney. I was like, oh no. No, no, please don't do that. Stay away. Um, right, exactly. And, and listen, you know, you know what, George? That's your one black mark when you Just, just you give us more career. ocean movies, George. You, just give us more ocean movies. Right. That's stay, it. Stay, stay in, your, Steve, <laughs> stay in the pocket. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, but, but you know, honestly, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, we can go ahead and, you know, put, play this for ourselves. But, you know, when March rolls around mm-hmm. and we sit there and see Robert Pattinson, yes. like, I, I'm interested to see his take on Batman. Like, you know, I think we, I think we're all in agreement here that, that Robert Pattinson has moved well beyond his twilight years. Mm-hmm. That should not be held against him anymore. Uh, he is a is a solidified, legitimate actor. We saw him in Tenet. We saw what he handles. did in Tenet. Yeah, exactly. So we saw what he did in Tenet. Absolutely. Uh, so um, I'm interested to see where he falls on this. So I want to leave my fifth spot open. Okay. Uh, potentially, Mr. Pattinson could fill that. Yes. Um, but yes, I would. So, Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, Kevin Conroy. Mm. That's a, that's a really that's a really solid list. I, I, there's there's just so like these. How you portray Bruce Wayne and also Batman is definitely something that is gonna you know be able to 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 fill out to fill out what your entire list is. Um, but but Trent, this has been a, a absolute pleasure as always. And th- this is the thing I was thinking about. The next movie we really got to review. It's coming up. Is is James Bond. No, no, no time to die. Oh, no time dude. to die. 
Uh, October eighth. Like, 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 that's the next October one. Full scope ask you do. That's the next one we got to do with, with with you. Uh, I, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it because then, because then, you know, Savon, are you in? Are you in? Are you in on that one? Are you in on that one, Savon? Yeah, you know, I'm always there. James Bond. All, all the way. All the yeah, way. because 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 I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. We'll, we'll save it for the podcast, but I want to hear your thoughts about all the other movies as yes. well too. You know, because like because because Daniel, Daniel Craig, y'all, he he. I mean, he's he, up there. I mean, you guys were yeah, he's up there. But I mean, he is our James Bond. I mean, I know we have Pierce Brosnan for a little bit, but Daniel Craig is our James Bond. So we definitely need to kind of talk through kind of how like you know he has grown in this series and this whole franchise has been. I mean, I'm just glad we got a congruent story all the way through, and I can't wait to see how this ends. Uh, I will be there when it comes out, that's for sure. Absolutely. Can't can't wait, and it's, it's always a pleasure having you on, bro. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. Definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, along with my counterpart, Save on Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>